1: Podcast. I am here today with Floyd Brown. We have done an episode before, so I'm super excited to invite him back. How are you doing today, Floyd?
0: Oh, it's great to be back with you, Courtney. And uh, yeah, you know, I live in Phoenix. So every day I wake up, I look outside and the sun is shining. So it's a great day.
1: <laughs> that, that That's <laughs> always good when the sun is shining. You know, it's that's, funny. I- that's
0: why I live in Phoenix, you know, because the sun's shining here over 300 days a year.
1: When I lived, I lived in Santa Monica for a long time, like uh, almost a decade. And uh, I moved recently two years ago to Tennessee. But it was interesting because I, I actually really miss seasons. You wouldn't think so. You'd think 78 and sunny is just, you know, you'd want that every day. But I actually got kind of bored of it, I guess, because I grew up on the East Coast. So the Northeast, so I kind of missed that. But
0: yeah, I don't miss shoveling snow out of my driveway. I don't miss that at all.
1: Fair enough. Where where are you from originally?
0: Well, I'm originally from Seattle, but I spent okay. um, 15 years on the East Coast in uh, uh, really the D.C. area. So uh, I uh, I've had a little bit of uh, the Northwest, the East or Mid Atlantic, and then I've had California. I lived in California for a while, so I've tasted it all, and I'm 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 quite happy in the sunshine.
1: Yeah, no, I I like the sun too. I understand that. I went to school upstate New York, and uh, I don't I don't miss having it. It would snow through graduation every year, yeah. like without fail. So yeah. Well, I there's so much to talk about. Uh, <laughs> you, so you are you're an author. You just wrote a new book, Counterpunch. We talked a little. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic book. And you're and we can see behind you the Western. You founded the Western Journal. You've done political consultancy. So. I, one of the things I really wanted to ask you about is, so I was just telling you before we started that I, I was red-pilled in 2020. So I was kind of late to the party, but, you know, that means there's hope for lots of others to wake up and join the party. <laughs> and uh, I, I think it brings a different perspective for me also. I have a lot of compassion for people who are still asleep because I know that for me, and, you know, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but for me, there were people really planting the seeds you know, very early on, but I wasn't ready for my own reasons to even look at it. Like I just, I just couldn't. I had too much cognitive dissonance. I had, you know, personal kind of uh, things that my audience, I'm sure has heard me say this many times, but my father was like one of these kind of just very traditional establishment Republican guys. And it was one of the main connections I had with my father. And so I was so afraid that if I started to look at anything outside of that paradigm that I would lose, you know, the support and connection that I had with my father. So I just wasn't ready. But when 2020 rolled around and the seeds were starting to be planted again, um, you know, my fiance who was super, super patient with me, but just kept planting the seeds, you know, not, not pushing me, but just waiting for them to sprout. But I started to have light bulb moments. I was like, I could see all those data points from previously that, we're starting to connect. I was now ready to look at it. And because those plants, those seeds have been planted before I could connect the dots. And so I think that's just super, you know, valuable in cause sometimes it's frustrating. You want everybody, once you see something, you can't unsee it. So you just want every, you want to scream from the rooftop. Like, why doesn't everybody see what's going on? Uh, <laughs> there's all this just to share with you because I have noticed just in this journey, the shift in media, and I'm very curious, you know, as someone who's founded the Western Journal, which has been such a valuable resource, um, you know, you've been, be- you know, very deep in this game for a long time. What are your thoughts on where the media has been, where it's going? You also talk about, you know, the triple M, like the the MIC, as I call them, you know, the, the military industrial complex is the one a lot of people know, but like the medical industrial complex. And then one I think a lot of people don't think about that much, but the media industrial complex. So there was a very uh, long-winded intro there. So pick it up wherever you want. (laughs) No, no, no.
0: Those are really important questions. And it's important for people that um, are, number one, searching to, uh, to, to start to understand how the news media has been used in their lives to keep them asleep. Yeah, That's really important for people to understand. Now, I woke up young. I had an interesting uh, experience when I was 15 years old. Wow. When I was 15, I met Ronald Reagan. Amazing! Uh, uh, in fact, he was running for president in 1976 against Gerald Ford. He was the conservative alternative mm-hmm. to uh, then President Ford. Mm-hmm. And 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 I got involved in that campaign as a freshman in high school, stuffing envelopes and answering phones and making telephone calls and going door to door. And so I I got involved in this whole Reagan effort really early. By 1980, I took a full time job in the Reagan campaign, uh, which was as the state youth director for the state of Oregon. And then um, in 1983, when I graduated from college, I wanted nothing more than to be a part of the Reagan revolution. So I hopped in my car. I had graduated from the University of Washington in Seattle and I drove to Washington, D.C. and I took a job in the Reagan administration. And it was what I call a lottery ticket job because it is the job everybody wanted. Mm -hmm. I was selected by the Reagan administration to be the executive director of the United States International Youth Year Commission. So what is that? The United Nations had decided to celebrate 1985 as the International Year of Youth. And as part of that celebration, every country, including the United States, had to have a participating committee. And I was chosen to head up that participation, which um, I call it a lottery ticket job because I literally was designated to go around the globe and represent the youth of America at all these international youth conferences. Wow. And, and it was really during this job that I woke up because I had gotten involved in the Reagan administration because I was a conservative. Right. I believed in Ronald Reagan. I didn't like socialism. If you, if you remember back, that was during the cold war when we still had the Soviet union and red China and, um, you know, North Vietnam and North Korea. And, you know, it was, it was, a uh, it was, it was a very stark difference between East and West Right. It was before the wall had fallen down. And, um, so when I, when I went to my first international conference, uh, I was told you're going to need to go to a briefing and at that briefing, you're going to meet with somebody from the CIA who's going to tell you what's going on and, 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 and what you need to do at that international conference. Oh. And me, I was just this, you know, wide eyed young person in my twenties. Right. And I, I went to the briefing and it was a very interesting meeting because I was told at the meeting. Now, We want you to forget everything you know about being a Reagan conservative, because when you go to these international meetings, Floyd, you're going to have to advocate for the new world order. And the new world order is really it's a socialist order. It's a it's an order where trade unions are powerful, where decisions are made more in a collective way where individualism isn't as great as it is in the United States of America. And I said, why in the world would I want to do that? (laughs) I I got involved in this because I wanted to advocate for the ideas of freedom. I want all these people around the globe to be free, free like I am to pursue my own ideas, to pursue my own career, to, you know, be whatever God created me to be. And, um, and I, But they said, no, you're, you have orders here, and your orders are to support the new world order. But what was really significant was, I said, why? And this is the response that I got way back then. It's because socialism is the only order that will unite the world. And we're in the business of bringing about a new globalist world order. So even back, this is 1983. Yep. Okay. You can see the deep state, the permanent state. I I call it in my book, the behemoth state Mm -hmm. was already well, well, uh, in the track of pushing the new world order. And so so I I got quote red-pilled way back then. Yeah. realizing that President Reagan, the leader of the country, elected by the people, okay, majorities in Congress for his party, the state, the government didn't care what his ideas were. Right. They were pursuing their new world order. And so um uh, I rebelled against that. It uh It uh, uh, led to me actually leading a 13 nation walkout at an international youth conference.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: I ended up getting investigated by the government. Um, You know, I had years of uh, hiring lawyers and 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 fighting off the deep state, even as a young man, because I wouldn't bow a knee to their socialist agenda. Good That's the you. way Washington, D.C. works. And so I kind of woke up to the way the city worked way back then. And uh, so I've, I've been fighting it, fighting it uh, ever since. But to get back to what they're looking to do, it's really globalism versus yeah. nationalism. You totally. know, are we gonna be a, citizens of America or are we gonna be citizens of some global government?
1: They call and, it the global citizen. That's, right,
0: and, yeah. and, so, and so this is what I believe is the final battle. Now, I, I'm a believer in Christ, okay? I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And in the Bible, it talks about uh, this final battle. It talks mm-hmm. about globalism and yeah. you have to realize Globalism isn't new. That's the thing people need to understand. Yeah. Globalism is very ancient. Uh, mm-hmm. There were global empires in the past. The first was Nimrod from uh, Babylon. He built the Tower of Babel. Yeah. And then there was Pharaoh, who was the Pharaoh of Egypt, was really the Pharaoh of the entire known world at the time. Yeah. Or Alexander the Great, who conquered the entire known world. He was a globalist. Yes. Or any of the Caesars. The Caesars were globalists because they, in essence, conquered all of the known world at that time. And so globalism isn't new, but in the Bible, and part of what makes the Bible so interesting and so significant is God endorses nationalism. And in fact, he creates a nation. It's called the nation of Israel. And when he creates that nation, he gives them three things he gives them a border he gives them a language and he gives them a culture or a religion mm-hmm. okay he gives them all three of those things but he he tells them uh to not meddle in other nations in fact there's a couple of times when the children of Israel were in their great uh you know time in the wilderness when they were marching around and you can read about all this back in in Genesis, uh, Exodus, and uh, uh, also Deuteronomy. But uh, during that time, they were coming like, for example, to the borders of the land of Edom. And God specifically says, I don't want you messing with the borders of Edom. I've given you no land in Edom. And then they they come to the uh, the borders of Moab which was uh, a land from the descendants of of Lot, who was the the nephew of Abraham in the Bible. And and once again, Moses is told by God, I don't want you messing with Moab. You don't get any of their territory, that's theirs. I've given you the land of Cana and you go there. And so um, you see in the Bible, God respects nations. He respects borders. Mm-hmm. And he also calls for us not to meddle in other countries. And so for America, I want a non-interventionalist policy. I don't want to run Ukraine. I don't want to run, you know, Iraq. Mm-hmm. I don't want to run any of these countries. And, you know, it's, it's really their business, not our business. And yet it's the hubris the arrogance um, the haughtiness of the people that rule in Washington DC that they are so smart and so grand and so capable that they can rule the world and that's what they want to do so yep. it's uh it, it it it's a it's a constant battle but it is between globalism and those that want a nation i just want america i right. feel safe in america i want our borders secure i want our people to be you know to me, it's just outrageous that we have homeless veterans on the street while the U.S. government is funding housing for illegal immigrants whose first act in coming into the country was breaking our laws. Mm-hmm. And yet we have homeless veterans. We need to take care of our people. You know, we have drug addicts on the street. They mm-hmm. need drug and alcohol treatment. Of they course. don't They don't need, you know, for us to be dealing with Foreigners who've come here that that, you know, really are breaking our laws and abusing our goodwill and our goodness. Uh, I'm much more focused on helping those in America who are really hurting. And there's a lot of Americans that are hurting and Congress is turning a blind eye to those people. And it it is wrong for them to do that. And the Democrats that are funding this chaos at the border, while they turn and turn a blind eye to veterans who are homeless or drug addicts who are on the street and need treatment, shame on them because they're not dealing with their first responsibility, which is to deal with our big American family, those of us that are right here at home. And we need to take care of them first. And that's part of this America First agenda. So, Um, uh, Let me just say one more thing about this. And I I know I've been a little long-winded here, but uh, uh, the the, the, uh, uh, getting back just to the Bible for a second in the book of Revelation, it talks about how in the end times, the times just before Christ is to reappear on the scene, there will be a global empire and that this global empire will rule all. It's kind of like uh, you know in the in the Lord of the Rings movie, you know, one ring to rule them all, and Um, uh, uh, so the 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 king. Open new what? (laughs) Open
1: new, yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. And so and so, uh, you know, I can see uh, that unfolding. So that's why I call this the last battle because I think if we lose America, then the next great global empire is that of what the book of Revelation would call the, the man of evil or the man of sin, which is Satan himself. So uh, it, it's very much for me, good versus evil, right versus wrong, yeah. light versus dark.
1: Yeah. and
0: and And that's why America is so important and why we have to fight everywhere for her.
1: I couldn't agree more. I I use a beekeeper analogy. And I I say that, you know how they say when the the bees go, the world will cease to exist. And uh, so I liken America to the beekeepers. And I say that, you know, when America falls, so the world follows. And therefore, it's incumbent upon the people of America, not the government, but the people of America to preserve the free will of humanity, because that's the bulwark of preservation of free will for the world. So, I, I very much agree with everything you just said. Um, and thank you for fighting this fight. I, I, I didn't know all that about you when you were younger and you fought lawsuits. Who were the 13 nations? I'm so curious who were in oh, the walkout. So,
0: oh, that, that walked out with me? Yeah. It was mostly uh, Scandinavian uh, countries. And um, I think it was Denmark and, and Norway and Sweden uh, and um the uh i think the brits walked out with us against socialism and then we had some some island nations uh some of the some island nations from the south pacific and others it was a very unlikely crew but most most of the main uh uh, superpowers they remained in the room it was more us uh, uh free thinkers on the fringes that that walked out that's why they were so shocked when america walked out when the u.s walked out And why it uh, uh, I remember that the conference was in in Kingston, Jamaica, and uh, the main newspaper there is called the Daily Gleaner. And I was in my 20s and I made the front page of the newspaper. And I'm sitting there so seriously with my finger pointing like this. And uh, (laughs) uh, the headline above it was youth conference ends in chaos.
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it was chaos for freedom. And we did not adopt their new world order. We weren't going to adopt their socialist order. But boy, uh, did I walk into a buzzsaw when I got back home to Washington, D.C., because they were not like bees. They were mad as hornets.
1: Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you disrupt their their cushy uh, plans and, uh, you know, their situation there. What were your thoughts that you I had really looked up to Reagan, it sounds like, and you were so excited well, to be it, it had nothing
0: to do with Reagan. So Reagan continued mm-hmm. to advocate for freedom and mm-hmm. all of these ideas. I, mm-hmm. I actually later got another job in the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about Reagan, it was about this permanent state yeah. that is below all of the presidents mm-hmm. that don't necessarily agree or go wrong with the presidents.
1: Continuity so, of government.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's um it's insidious because it's 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 the part of the iceberg that's under the water. You know, sure. when you see an iceberg floating, and this was part of the problem when the Titanic hit hit an iceberg, you don't see the majority of the iceberg, it's all under the water. And that's the way the, the government is, it's all under the water. And you know you've got these leaders at the top, whether it's Biden or Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan, and the government below doesn't really obey it. Now, um, with Obama, you you had a leader that was in sync with the deep state. In mm-hmm. George W. Bush, you had a leader that was in sync with the mm-hmm. deep state, nice. and so. Between between, you know, and and it's not, it's not Republican versus Democrat. That's the first thing people need to understand. I mean, that's should be pretty clear just from this whole, uh, 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 budget fight that we had this last weekend. It's Mm -hmm. not about Republican or Democrat because the Republicans and Democrats come together to protect the deep state. And that's exactly what they did with this continuing resolution. And, uh, you know, we got no money for the border, but uh, Kevin McCarthy was there to defend, you know, more money for Ukraine. And Where? Ukraine, re- Ukraine is 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 such an excellent example because Ukraine isn't about the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. It isn't about helping things. It's right. about generating profits through the use of munitions. Yes. So. Um, uh, you know, there's a couple of quotes that have popped up of, of Mitch McConnell, where where he, he's kind of sitting there with his hands like this going, yes, we're industrializing America. We're now building more armaments than we've ever built before. We're going to build more planes. We're going to build more bombs. We're going to build more tanks. Yes, we are going to make more money. And, and that's what it's all about. Right. Um, you know, with COVID, we had a $3 pill, ivermectin that would really help with covid and it was completely suppressed instead yep. they wanted to spend billions and billions of dollars i think pfizer made a 100 billion dollar profit for um, a yep. experimental jab but that's where the money was True. over 40 brand new billionaires were created as a result of it so you know it's it's policy for money money yep. for policy and um the uh, the the You know, I I, and it's it's everywhere. The media, getting back, the media is very much that way. Where, um, you know, people don't realize, Amazon wanted massive contracts from the government Mm -hmm. because they wanted AWS, Mm -hmm. their cloud service, to power the federal government. Right. What did Jeff Bezos do? He went and bought the Washington Post.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean,
0: hey, he's lost money in the Washington Post every year. He loses millions on the Washington Post. He can afford to lose those millions. Yeah. But he has the most powerful voice in Washington. Yeah. The Washington Post, and it's it's the same same way these networks, um, you know, MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS. They're all power tools. used by the deep state in order to pursue their policy agendas. And the same is true with the way that Congress is funded. Congress is funded almost 90% by uh, deep state donors from K Street and and other places. And, uh, you know, normal people don't really get involved in funding races. Now, there's two exceptions to that right now. One is Donald J. Trump. Mm-hmm. Getting small gifts from small donors. And right. the other is Kerry Lake, who's um, preparing to run for Senate out in out in out here in Arizona.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: these are two examples of people that get none of the big money, but but the, the people a lot of that the get a lot of the small money, and that's allowed them to compete. I mean, mm-hmm. with Donald Trump, he's able to compete because he's a billionaire. But right. what do they do? They're going after his money, they're trying to take Trump Tower from him. They're trying to take his, his, his Trump building on Wall Street. They're trying to take his golf club in Westchester. They're trying to strip him of his assets and his ability to fight back
1: yeah no they are so you this brings me to my next question you you talk about the 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 uniparty essentially and you know washington warned us about parties he said that it would be a loophole for foreign entanglement he did not encourage us to have parties in the first place. Uh, and i think it's very interesting that we have these two candidates right now and there's rumors that both of them might go independent we have uh, bobby kennedy and uh, there's actually even rumors of uh, trump possibly going off on uh, and starting another party. What are your thoughts on, on them as candidates and uh, them going?
0: Yeah, off? so it's it, it, it's. So, you know, I've been involved actively in politics for 40 years. Yeah. And one thing I learned early on was that it's almost impossible and it has been impossible for a third party candidate to win. Right. And it's really because Uh, embedded in the laws of the land and embedded in the laws of all 50 states are special preferences for the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, okay? It's not a level playing field. I mean, I don't even know, people are shocked when they learn this. For example, both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, they mail at nonprofit rates, which means they can use the post office for a fraction. Uh, You know, they can send a letter for a dime while you're sending it for, you know, or uh, they can send it for fifteen cents, while you're sending it for sixty now. So the 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 truth is, is that um, they have all of these embedded benefits right. that are embedded in law, and so it's easier. It's an right. easier task, and this is what the Marxists learned. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't focus on uh, the Communist Party. Instead, mm-hmm. they spent their time capturing the Democrat Party. Right. Because of all of the benefits and loss. So now you have the Democrat Party, but it's really the same as the Socialist Marxist Party
1: totally. because
0: they, they've captured it. The and Communist so,
1: Party aligned with the Democratic Party in 1990,
0: 1919 yeah, well, formally. Well, the Democratic Party is the Communist Party. Yeah, it's absolutely. run by communists. But like
1: the official Communist Party, like there was a yeah. Communist Party in 1919. They merged with the Democrat Party. Yeah.
0: It, yeah. It's, it, it doesn't, doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. But uh, that's why it's, I believe, more important for the Mer- America First movement or the mm-hmm. MAGA movement or whatever you want to call it. Sure. And it's not just a Donald Trump movement. That's part okay. of what I really uh, dislike about what the media tries to do. Yeah. They try to say we're all like little clones of Donald Trump.
1: No. That couldn't
0: be, that couldn't be <laughs> further from the truth. Uh, you know, we 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 adopt Trump because he had dropped, he adopted our policies. Right. Okay. Right. He wants to stop the, the trouble at the border. And um I actually disagree with Donald Trump on a number of things. I did not Me like too. his, his <laughs> I didn't like his handling of the coronavirus. No. Nope. it was it was a disaster. Me so too. um I think he has a lot
1: of things questions to answer.
0: Yeah, uh, so so this is a this is this is more a movement. Right, you know, to protect, defend and keep America. It's like if you choose one side, they're gonna get rid of America. And if you choose the other side, we're gonna keep America. It's that that stark. And that's what people have to wake up to. The Democrats and these leftists that are in control of the Senate right now and uh, and the the White House, they hate our country. They hate the Constitution. They hate America. So if you love that stuff, I love America. I love Americans. I love our country. I love our flag. I love our border. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's no choice. But we're, we're forced to be in the Republican Party because the laws make it almost impossible. I, you know, uh, it, it's outrageous that they can keep a Kennedy out of the Democrat Party. Yeah. I mean, that shows you how dictatorial it has become that Robert Kennedy Jr. can't get a fair hearing, can't get a fair shot, can't get a fair um, chance at winning the Democrat nomination. He has to go independent, despite his history as a lifelong Democrat. And uh, I I don't know if you know this, but Donald Trump was a lifelong Democrat. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: General Flynn. Very good
1: friends with the Clintons. I mean, he was at their weddings and yeah.
0: Uh, uh, General Flynn, lifelong Democrat. Democrat. Right. So this isn't Democrat, Republican in the old sense. This is like America, no America.
1: Right. Well, I always say I feel like, you know, I started off doing this podcast. I used to say that uh, the Republicans have become controlled opposition for the left, but I've actually come to believe that, no, they were created to be controlled opposition for the left. And I think when you look at it, you know, like you were saying, the Marxists are the Democratic Party. I do think that ideologically they align with the Democrat Party. It's, you know, easier for them to uh, publicly and overtly put forth that ideology in sync. However, I think they actually advance their agenda oftentimes further through the right because the uh, leaders of the right, the public leaders of the right, typically are espousing the types of things that the patriots want to hear. So they placate people while, you know, the shadow government, government, the continuity of government, the deep state, you know, the oligarchy, whatever you want to call them. I call them the parasite class. But, you know, they're I, I like
0: <laughs> that parasite class. Yeah,
1: yeah right. <laughs> well, they,
0: they are. They are like a bunch of leeches. You know, hey, oh, well, the politics, off them, off right? The
1: many, many, many ticks, many bloodsuckers. Um, yeah. yeah, I call them the parasite class because I think really their agenda is to put us into a neo-feudal system uh, that is run by a technocratic uh, AI takeover that's programmed by a high-borg mind that they program, you know, in a transhuman leading to post-human world where we're all siloed in the metaverse but the thing that people often don't think about is if you have a feudal system you still have feuds doing the bidding for their lords so you still need the slaves so as much as I think they want to depopulate as much as possible because it's much easier to control a smaller population than a larger one they still need people and they need those people in order to do their work for them I mean that's it's the people doing the work. You just take Wall Street for an exa- example. If uh, there aren't people invested in the stock market and believing the lie of the fiat system, then they, they don't make any money. So <laughs> they, they kind of need us to all participate. Uh, so that's why I call it that. But um, but what, what the reason I, I'm asking is because, the reason I'm sharing this is because I want to know what your thoughts are on how it is that these Politicians, like whether it be Donald Trump, whether it be RFK, can really make a difference. How can we preserve the ideals of America and preserve the country, which really I do think is in jeopardy? Um, If there is this shadow government, if there is this, you know, really global apparatus that is Working from within, I think, because when you look at a lot of these you, you had talked about, like the CIA and, uh, you know, all these NGOs like the, the UN and the World Economic Forum, they're working within Wall Street. I mean, I don't think it's a uh, we, we I think oftentimes, you know, we were told the CIA was supposed to be uh, working to protect the United States and uh, work overseas but what we've seen throughout history in declassified documents and it's not just the cia it's so many of these uh you know institutions within our country have actually weaponized inward um so yeah i don't know answer whatever of that no,
0: you're, you're 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 right that's you know w- when you talk about the border why is it the republicans and democrats both keep the border open yep. well it's because the um democrats want easy voters that they can control, especially inside their big blue cities. Right. Right. So, you know, this gives them, you know, a voting block that is beholden to them because they're giving them meals. They're giving them hotel rooms, they're giving them, and then they're registering them to vote at the same time, even though it's not legal for non-citizens to vote non-citizens they made
1: it legal i think in california didn't Uh, they do that in in
0: some elections it's legal in california yes uh school board elections and other things but it's it's not it's not supposed to be legal in federal elections (laughs) but um even in california but you know they just ignore the law so often they especially when it comes to voting they just totally ignore the law yeah Uh, but i i want to go to this point of the of the feudal system, because you're right, there has to be the serfs in the feudal system. And getting back to the border, what what the Republicans have is they have a lot of constituencies. Uh, let's call it the hotel and restaurant industry, for example, that give a lot of contributions to Republicans. Well, they want maids, and they want cooks, and they want you know busboys, and you know, they, they believe that, that their future employees are coming across the border because they don't want to pay a living wage that Americans demand. And so right. what it does is it suppresses the wages of all Americans to have right. this cheap labor pour in from abroad, then, then average Americans don't have the ability to, to live the American dream because the wages are all depressed. And then, you know, the illegals work up from there. They go to meatpacking and agriculture. And next thing you know, they're uh, in in the auto plants, in manufacturing. And everywhere they go, every place they show up, it depresses wages. And it, and right. it, and it makes, makes wages lower. And it makes the middle class poor. That's one way they're hitting the middle class. But the other is through inflation. Yeah, because they are spending like crazy, like madmen. Um, they're depreciating the currency, and inflation is actually a tax. That's what people don't understand. So um, it's it, it's a tax, and the way it's a tax is if if they create yeah,
1: taxation without legislation, right? Right. They
0: they, <laughs> they 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 are taking away the value of your money. Mm-hmm and they don't even have to raise taxes because they've raised taxes about to the point of where they can. I mean, if they raise them much higher, people are going to absolutely rebel. People are hurting. It's
1: astounding that they haven't. I mean, we fought the revolution over what, like a two or 3% T tax. And and here we are. It's like 60% in some places. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, um, uh, it's, uh, it's extremely, um, Uh, negative for the middle class. And the middle class is eroding. What they want is they want a super high elite way up here, you know, 1% or above. And then they want this massive, you know, teeming class of peasants that they can use for labor and manufacturing. And we'll make sure that all of the bushes in their backyards are nicely trimmed and and, uh, you know, their pools, their pool, you know, the pool guy comes by and there's not a leaf in that pool. There's not, right. you know, any algae. The pH is just right. And they've, they've got an illegal alien to take care of all that stuff. And then they're happy.
1: Right. Right. What, what do you think about the the CBDCs that they're pushing? And
0: uh, well, that's know, extremely Extremely. This gets back to what I was talking about in the Book of Revelation. Yeah. Um, There's there there is a really interesting passage about what people call the mark of the the beast.
1: Right. And nobody
0: actually knows what that mark is, but it says that if you don't have the mark, then you can't buy or sell. And that that's where your central bank digital currency comes in because with a programmable digital currency they can say to you okay we're going to give you your paycheck here's two thousand dollars and of that two thousand um you know you can spend fifteen dollars on meat Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: beyond that you can't buy any more meat and and you can spend fifteen dollars on gasoline but that doesn't get me a full tank of gas. Well, it doesn't matter. We're we're you know, you're gonna get your fifteen dollars of gasoline, so you can run from your house down to the grocery store and back, but you can't go on any trips, you can't take off and go to California, you can't, you know, use this money how you want. They'll be able to program your money. Or let's say, hey, I want to give my my I want to give you know a hundred bucks to the local uh church down here. Right. Oh no, that church it's social credit score is such that you can't give that money. Uh, You don't like those people. And so you can't, you can't give your money to that church. It's programmable. So they pick and choose what you can spend your money on. Very, very insidious uh, and very dangerous, but it is part of this grab for power. I mean, these people are drunk on their power. You know, it's a, you know, It's people sitting in a, in a, in an ivory tower, in a university that says they say, well, we know how you should live. We can tell you how to live. Right. And, uh, you know, so what they want is for you to be sitting in front of your TV, consuming their ads, sitting in front of your your
1: phones, right?
0: Right. Sitting in front of your phone, sitting in front of your, your video game, part of the metaverse as you said earlier yeah. you know locked in your house you know you're a prisoner you're on you're on uh you know you're you're basically on in prison yeah and uh home arrest or uh, it's almost almost as bad as having a thing on your ankle telling you you can't leave your house
1: i think worse i think they wanted to be like little pods that we're all in and that you're on like a ubi where you're basically paid to watch ads and you're, you're paid to be a consumer. They've already conditioned us with this consumerist model that I think goes, you know, I mean, it goes back to, I think even the 1600s with the whole East Indian British company, you know, that you, that really, I think launched into full force. I'm sure it started way before then, but they've refined this with, you know, their incrementalism, uh, like the Fabian socialists, who I think are largely responsible for so much of what we see today, but they're, you know, they, they their original mascot was the wolf in sheep's clothing, and they switched it to the tortoise they've realized that they had to you know slow and steady wins the race uh, as you might say and i i think they really just want us trapped in these tiny little pods where we're going to have wars about like reality wars not not reality television but actually debating over what really happened or what was in the metaverse and they will use a social credit system to you know Give us a little uh, bonuses when we consume enough ads and play by their rules, and then give us demerits when we, you know, re- reach the geofencing boundaries and we've gone too far or we've done something they don't like or we've said something or we've thought something because I mean, they're really trying to implement that technology, which I think is really horrifying. You know, you can't have freedom of speech if you don't have freedom of thought. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Well, the great thing is, is that God created us. So we can have freedom of thought. And it teaches in the Bible where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I often tell people if they want to know what's going on in the, I'm in the news business. And I tell them this, I said, if you want to know what's going on the news or be able to discern what's going on in the news, read the Bible, watch less news, get yourself off of Twitter, pull yourself out of this, read scripture and scripture can help you discern what's really going on.
1: It's so it's so interesting you say that. So I, you know, I, I was having a conversation with my mom, and she, you know, our family is Jewish, and she's not particularly religious, even you know. Read the a, Torah. Or, yeah. So no, I, I actually joined a Torah group uh, this past year. So I, I agree absolutely. But it's really interesting because even as a a non-religious Jew, she said to me, you know, it's really interesting. It does kind of seem like the Bible's playing out, like it's almost like it's predictive. I'm like. I, I some would argue it is, you know, I think that's kind of the point. So, and yeah. I, I encourage everybody, regardless of their worldview, regardless of what religion or lack of re- religion they subscribe to that you, there's so much to be gained from reading the Bible that it, it very much teaches us all the lessons and I think prepares us for what we're up against today. Cause it does seem like it is all flying out. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> Well, it, it, it is. And, um, Especially if you read the the prophets, right. the, uh, the prophets, uh, those guys were ahead of their time.
1: But no, right. I think one of the one
0: of one of the reasons I believe the Bible yeah. is because um, I believe uh, that God uses scripture
1: mm-hmm.
0: to talk to us to authenticate himself by telling us about future events that's mm-hmm. how he authenticates himself so um when 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 predictions are made and they come true that's an authentication of god he's giving us a tool to right. authenticate him uh, and 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 he often does that through the torah so yeah. it's uh it, it's uh, it, it is uh, and as and as we learn more about archaeology we realize wow The Bible's super accurate, you know, whether it's we learn things about the Pharaohs or we learn things about, you know, now for a long time when I was younger, they'd say, well, David never existed. Well, Mm -hmm. now they now they have proof that there was this King David. So it's uh, it's it's just fascinating to me that they are, um, you know, these people in Hezekiah, you know, you can now go to Israel and go through Hezekiah's Tunnel there below Jerusalem, right? This is all stuff from the Bible and they found it. So it's it's incredibly, incredibly um, real. And um, that's why this ancient book has relevance right up to today, in my opinion, because people don't change. Right. People don't change. Circumstances change, but people are the same.
1: Yes. That is so true. I, I often talk about that in terms of our founding fathers because a lot of people think that they were uh, so prescient. And I actually don't think, you know, I think they had a profound understanding of human nature, which, as you, you know, just expressed, you, human nature doesn't really change. And I think they really did understand the core of human nature. But I think that what they also understood was they were up against very much the same battles we're up against today. You know, when you look, I think that's a huge part of why they structured the Bill of Rights the way that they did. You know, that we're, we're very unique in that regard, that we are a country that has a Bill of Rights, where it's codifying rights that were endowed by our creator. It's not privileges that are granted by the government. And what, there's really no other nation in the world that has that. And I think it's because they were watching what happened in the French Revolution. They watched the usurpations of powers from, you know, the British government. I, and when you look at the Declaration of Independence, they, I think they used the word usurpations. I, I think it was 30 times. I, I don't know exactly, but it was a lot. <laughs> um, so, and when you look today, I mean, usurpation—that's a uh, like the main theme of what's going on today. It seems like every uh, freedom and, uh, right, you know, inalienable, right. That should be, you know, a given is being trampled on constantly.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I also, an, another authentication of God in my mind is the land of Israel. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, uh, how ancient Israel is
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yet it's still there and yeah. yet God predicted in through the prophets, that they'd be disbanded and they go all over the world. Yeah. But then they'd be called back together. That to mm-hmm. me, wow, what an authentication of these, the words of these prophets, then the fact that Israel, there's this deep calling somehow Jews from all over the globe are going back to Israel, to that historic homeland in their oh, language. It's the only ancient language which has come back and is now spoken every day. You you can go to Israel and you can listen to people speak Hebrew, and it's 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 it, and, it, and it and it's an ancient language. It's yeah. just it's so it's so fascinating to me, and it's an authentication, I believe, uh, of of God.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts on on what's going on with Israel? Because I I think it's, you know, there, what what happened with the COVID and the, the the vaccines and it really does look like genocide. And there's also just rampant anti-Semitism. They keep resurfacing the same old tropes. I mean, the same trope from Nazi Germany, the same trope from the pogroms of the early 1900s, and uh, they you know they tweak them and refine them, but People yeah. I personally think are being very misled and very deceived. And I actually think it's intentionally designed to, I think it's PSYOP, intentionally designed to overthrow both Christianity and Judaism because they want to usher in, you know, the, the new one world religion. What What are your thoughts on all of that?
0: No. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's an entire show. Courtney. Sure.
1: <laughs> we can come back for it. If you give me your cliff notes and we can revisit uh, give if me you your, want.
0: Give a quick summary now. So first of all, Um, The reason anti-Semitism is so uh, runs across history and is so unbelievably uh, nasty and vicious. And um, it's because early in the Bible, early in history, God says, hey, these Israelis are mine. The mm-hmm. descendants of Jacob are mine; they're my people, and I am going to bless. It says of Abraham, "I am going to bless all nations through the seed of Abraham." Okay, and even goes back farther than that to Genesis, where 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 uh, God says, "I am going to use the seed of the woman to bring you down, Satan." Okay, and so. He he, he he chose Israel. They're his chosen people. They are his chosen vehicle. And so as a result of that, Satan always wants to kill them off. Okay. Because if Satan can kill all of the Israelis or all of the Jews, then he wins in his mind. Right. And so throughout history, all of these different globalist powers, first of all, I was talking about those global empires. There's one thing that's always in common. Every single globalist declares himself God in the end. Pharaoh said, I'm God. Yep. Nimrod said, I'm God. Caesar said, I'm God. Okay. They're all, they're, they're God. Right. Okay. And, um, but you know, um, and you, you
1: all know a Harari now. This is the this is the Gnostic worldview, right? Now, right. no, you all know a Harari says that they are going to supersede the biblical God, right. and his justification is that the biblical God can only create organic life, and they will create inorganic life. But I'm sorry,
0: I uh, no, on. no, 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 no. I know that, and that that's <laughs> another show. But, but um, so, God doesn't choose to create automatons; He yeah. creates people with free will, and He wants us. To love him based on our own free will. Yeah. And so, um, uh, what's happening in Israel, I believe Israel is being supernaturally recreated. But at this point yet, uh, I would say they haven't uh, been spiritually recreated. Right. But they will be because scripture says there will come a time when they are going to look to the sky in unity every single person in israel is going to look to the sky and they are going to say wow there's the lord of hosts and he's there to save us now okay yeah and it's going to be amazing and supernatural and it's going to be wild and and the bible predicts it and i believe the regathering is the beginning god you know god works on a different time scale than we do he's literally outside of time i keep
1: telling him he needs to work on my time scale but it doesn't seem to happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh,
0: but but um uh and and israel today is a secular nation very have, much so they they have not re-embraced now some people in israel have sure uh you know embraced there's there's that i mean there's some people that want to rebuild the temple and there's yeah. some people that want to start the sacrifices again and, you know, there's the Temple Institute that's rebuilt the menorah and rebuilt the different, you know, um, implements that were in the temple. And, right. uh, and so, you know, you've got these currents running, but at some point, Israel will turn to God. And that's not my prediction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the Bible's prediction.
1: Right. <laughs> Well, that, that would be beautiful. I, I look forward to witnessing that. Hopefully I get to see it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs>
0: I hope, I hope, I hope we all see it.
1: I know. I know. Um, well, so because you do look at this as being biblical and it's being played out, what are your thoughts about what we can, can all of this be stopped? What, what can and should we do?
0: So I believe that uh, if if we can save America, we save the world. Yeah, time. um, And that uh, uh, that's a that's a good thing. I mean, I believe that, uh, you know, this is a time Mm -hmm. when I believe the Gentiles can embrace um, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. and um you know it's it's a time and, and, and at some time the chance to embrace God is going to go away but mm-hmm. right now the most important thing people can do in their life is they can you know pick up scripture learn mm-hmm. about the God of the Bible um, mm-hmm. the God of uh, Abraham Isaac and Jacob and they can you uh, learn about that and then make decisions on whether or not they're going to follow him. And Mm -hmm. for me, I'm going to follow him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, that, that, uh, is the most important decision I've ever made in my life. The single most important decision is whether or not to follow God or not follow God. And, uh, I'm really comfortable in that decision. And, uh, and, and it really drives a lot of what I do. And, and it's frankly, Courtney, why I have no fear. Mm-hmm. The Bible says hundreds and hundreds of times, fear not for I am the Lord your God. I don't have to fear. I don't have to quake. I have someone who's stronger, who's pleading for me and who's watching over me and who's keeping me and protecting me and and he can protect and defend anyone that's listening right now.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we have a, a lot of fear mongering going on right now. And, uh, you know, so you, you were talking, we were talking about the media. It seems to be one of their primary uh, goals and missions is to propagate fear, when which drives.
0: Yeah, when, when you're living in fear, you can't be what God wants you to be. Right. God wants you to be live your fullest life. He okay. wants you to live the happy life, the complete mm-hmm. life, and uh, you can't do that in fear.
1: No, you definitely can't, and it makes you much more vulnerable and susceptible to doing desperate things, which are not always the best things. So, right, I, I think we really saw that over the past few years, right? <laughs> um, we have. Yeah. People didn't make
0: it. I I love our discussions, Courtney. We'll have to do this again. We
1: definitely will. (laughs) I would love that. Um, Yeah. It sounds like we've already outlined two potential uh, shows upcoming. Well, before I let you go, I I guess I would love to hear your thoughts on, as somebody who has been on the front lines of the media for so long and on the front lines of uh, politics for so long, what do you see? I do see the media as changing a little bit. I, I think the alternative media is rising. I have a little bit of concerns because, of course, the three MIC seem to work in tandem and they funnel into each other. And I'm seeing a lot of bigger alternative media platforms crop up and then there's always when any uh, institution or corporation grows there's always the uh i i use the the uh like ladder and harness analogy because people talk about controlled opposition a lot and i say that when you're at the bottom if you're about to climb a very tall ladder you're at the bottom you have this harness on you and those strings are really loose so you can go up a few steps you can come down you can go s- laterally side to side you kind of have free reign but the, t- the higher up you go, the tighter those strings become. And I think that happens, the bigger institutions become. So all this just to say that I, I see that with these, some of these alternative media uh, platforms that are cropping up. So I'm curious what you what you see for the future of the new media and what you see as the responsibility of new and alternative media platforms. Coming. Well, uh,
0: the responsibility of new and media platforms is to tell the truth as best they can. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a lot of problems with people that uh, get on the air and they talk about things that they that aren't based in fact or mm. aren't based in knowledge sure. or, and aren't or, or aren't even based on experience. They they uh, they, you know, say it, it, I call it hopium. They're, oh, they're yeah. selling you hopium mm-hmm. and um you know, if we're going to save America, it's because of millions of Americans get involved in saving their local community. That's the whole yes. point of my book. Yes. That's one of the reasons why I I was very skeptical of the whole uh, Q mm-hmm. phenomenon because they would say things like, "Well, trust the plan."
1: Operation uh, Trust 1921 it seems right. awfully it's, it's, similar
0: it's it's you know it's all going to be okay you right. can sit and watch it unfold no if you want to save america then you are going to get off of your couch yes off of your chair and you're going to go to your local school board meeting yeah. or you're going to go to your local town council meeting or you're going to go to your local county council meeting you are going to become engaged, you're going to run for office, you're going to run for state legislature, you're going to run for mayor, you're going to run for school board. Right. We have to fix the country. We, do. we that means you and I. And, and so, uh, the new media is really significant and important. I have spent my entire career basically in new media and um, I've seen so much change over the course of the decades and now it's just flowering. I mean, shows like yours and hundreds of others reaching thousands and thousands of people. It's, it's really vital and important, but it's also important for those people to keep their information based on truth. And so that's why at Western Journal, we have very strict editorial standards. You can go to our website and you can read our editorial standards and and you will know once you've read them that we live by them. Because our job is to let you make the decision, but to provide you with with the, the information you na- need to make good, quality, informed decisions. All that to say, I am very optimistic. I'm optimistic because of the new media. I'm optimistic because of candidates like Carrie Lake and Donald Trump and others that are that are out there, you know, doing what they can really against their own self interest to save their country. And um, I'm I'm very optimistic that in 2024, we're going to see a whole new group that's awake and realigned and voting for the freedom of America.
1: Well, I I will hold on to that. I really hope to see that too. What do you think with the uh, elections? Because you know the oh, ooh, the uh, integrity. I'm sorry, of- I
0: just kicked my uh, my camera there.
1: <laughs> no worries. I'm getting too
0: excited under the table. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what What are your thoughts about the because the uh, integrity of elections is really in a great question. And uh, I know, so what do yeah. you think about Everybody that?
0: Everybody needs to work hard, turn mm-hmm. out, be vigilant, watch. Yeah. And every time they've stolen these things a different way, yeah. we've figured it out. We're going to be watching more carefully, more closely. There's going to be more scrutiny. Uh, it's getting more difficult for them to steal things. But oh. that means every one of us have to, grab our oars pull together and take this country forward they, they they there has been you know problems with these elections but i'm i'm hopeful that in 2024 a lot of those problems are going to dissipate and go away
1: yeah i am too and i you know i've noticed there's a huge movement of people who and i understand the sentiment it's not that i don't appreciate the sentiment that they just feel that the whole system is so incredibly corrupt Um, which I don't disagree with. But, you know, I always point to Carol Quigley, he talked about how uh, the elections were basically selected by the CFR. And he was writing that back in the 60s. So, you know, that 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 was some decades ago. And he was saying that they had already been, you know, that way for over a century. So we're talking about a long time, you know, the technology has changed, but, you know, the, uh, the corruption hasn't really, but that what a lot of people are saying is that the answer to that is to opt out. And I, I vehemently disagree with that because I think then it just makes it easier for them to rig. It makes it easier for them to, uh, you know, have plausible deniability about any fraud if we just, you know, opt out. And I, I think defaulting that's, is basically. That's a, that's
0: a fool, fool's errand. I mean, that's just foolish to opt out and what, not vote? Right. Then you, then, then you guarantee they win
1: that's kind of right it's forfeiture that's how i right. see
0: it you and and what are you gonna do forfeit forfeit and 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 you know what about your grandkids right. what about your great-grandkids are they going to live in a slave state because you were you know too busy playing video games that you forfeited the world i mean that that's that's an excuse to me and Anyone who says that, I think, is just uh, wrong, but they're also foolish. Right. Fools.
1: Yeah. I I think that they're, they're deceived. You know, I'm a big fan of parallel systems and I love what you talk about with the local uh, action, right? You know, fifth generation warfare, they say like local action leads to federal impact. That's kind of the slogan. Um, And I think that that's so incredibly powerful. And even if it's not in local politics, just being involved in your local communities, you know, building networks, bycotting small businesses that you agree with and align with.
0: Red pilling your next door neighbor.
1: Yeah, right, exactly, exactly.
0: Going just, to the coffee shop and red-pilling people that are sitting there.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I have a really funny uh, little story about that. We were at a Starbucks, and, you know, they have the no cash uh, sign. And uh, so, of course, we told them that, you know, that it's legal tender and they have to take it. And so they uh, they said, well, that is true. We don't have to give you exact change. So, that that was kind of their way of working around it, and so we we gave them a little bit of a, a lesson on what's coming and why we believe in the importance of preserving the value of cash and you being able to use cash, um, and uh, so and it, they they had no idea. They were actually really grateful and found like it was a great history lesson. And it's okay. This uh, yeah, we we don't want to be run by you know a social credit system digital currency and they just didn't know what's going to
0: happen to the the tip jar there at uh start right Right. we don't use cash who's going to fill that tip jar up
1: exactly (laughs) exactly so yeah there there are so many ways for people to to get involved and i i think that's really important but i don't think so while the importance of parallel systems and building local communities it doesn't necessarily mean that we just opt out of you know the things that are corrupt because corruption just you know it, it's like if a if a crime is being committed you you know just turning a blind eye isn't going to stop it from happening right <laughs> so no
0: in fact we're called to occupy and if we see a crime happening
1: mm-hmm. we're we're
0: called to try and intercede
1: right right
0: you know we want, we 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 want to be that good samaritan
1: Absolutely. Well, well, I could talk to you forever and uh, hopefully we will have an opportunity to do this again soon. But if you have anything else you want to leave people with, please do. Well, and tell if them-
0: you haven't gotten the book Counterpunch, go get it because it's, yes. it, it's great. It outlines all of these different things we've talked about in, in some detail, but it will also help wake up somebody who you have that's a friend or a neighbor or a family member. You know, Counterpunch, if they'll read it, I guarantee by the end, they're going to, they're going to wake. They're going to, they're not going to be in a slumber anymore. So, and, uh, you know, the, the, the unlikely Alliance of Americans fighting back for faith and freedom, which is the subtitle of the book, Courtney, Mm -hmm. that is the people that I see the black Americans who are standing along the road when Donald Trump's indicted in Atlanta, those are the Hispanics that now it, it looks like he could get between 30, maybe as high as 40, 45% of the mm-hmm. Hispanic vote. Uh, right. These are people who came to America legally and are upset by the chaos at the border, but the chaos also in their own communities.
1: Absolutely, People are
0: waking up and it is an opportunity for us to reach new constituencies, new groups, new people that we've never reached before.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we we don't have that much time to do it. So everybody needs to get involved and get engaged. Absolutely. Um, well, and tell everybody where they can find you and where can they get your book? Uh,
0: well, and Amazon uh, or anywhere books are sold, or they can get it at westernjournal.com.
1: Wonderful. All right. And
0: we produce news every day. If you don't have the Western Journal app, you can get it from, you know, the 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 uh, Apple. Store, app store or the android store any any of these places that have apps you can get the western journal app and it'll give you your news and it's free every day
1: awesome well everyone should definitely do that so <laughs> all right well thank you so much
0: it's been it's been good courtney it's great great visiting with you
1: likewise